What is up? Welcome back to the Trilogy Wellness Podcast. Hey, and uh, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, I apologize for the delay stacking of these episodes, but got some new members on the team, and uh, I just want to give Will a quick little shout out. Um, if you guys ever need any sort of sound editing or, or whatnot, go ahead and check out my boy at Willie Makes Music on YouTube. Um, so today on the podcast, by the way, the delay, I just want to throw this out there real quick. The delay is on my part for everybody listening. Will is great and he's super fast. I just get sidetracked and have a bajillion things going on sometimes. (laughs) Thanks, Will. Uh, Anyways, today on the podcast, we have Mr. Leo Savage. If you do not know who Leo Savage is, I guarantee you, you will find out by the end of this podcast. Uh, But here, I will give you a little rundown. Leo Savage uh, is the... How would you say this? He's kind of like the dad, the father, the creator of Steel Mace Flow. And they are doing some really, really cool stuff with the mace. Um, Pretty unique to some other stuff that I've seen out there. I've definitely seen guys like move around with the mace and, you know, do 360s. And I think that's great movement to incorporate into your practice. But there comes this time where, you know, I think I alluded to this in another episode intro, where you need to attach your movement practice to something deeper, something on an emotional level, right? Something visceral that you can feel. And the steel mace flow practice is that for me. Um, And it is for a lot of other people. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Leo in person um, when I got my Steel Mace Flow Level 1 cert. And it was a treat. You know, I think it's an amazing, amazing thing to be able to feel real time the love and uh, intention that people put into something that they create. And you could definitely feel that with Leo. Um, We had a lot of fun on this one. It was great. I I got to know Leo a little bit more. Um, And uh, yeah, I I had a kick-ass time. He was very gracious because when we first started the... (laughs) When we first started the interview, man... I was so freaking tired. So he uh, he he effectively jolted me out of my slumber. And uh, it was great, man. I, I really had fun with this one. Uh, go ahead and check all of his stuff out. I will, I'll go ahead and plug it in the show notes. Uh, and then outside of that, um, go ahead and... Shoot, Willa, congratulations, because by the time this comes out, I believe his baby will be born. Peace!
Yes. So I definitely, I definitely want an SMF shirt. You got it. Yeah. SMF steel makes flow. Sexy motherfucker. You know, <laughs> SMF means a lot of things. Yes. What yes. does that, what does SMF mean to you? Ooh, that... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I think we got this. We were on a teacher, so let's be asking question. <laughs> uh, no, I like that. SMF to me is fucking freedom, dog. <laughs> mm. okay. Cheers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got my I got my tea over here. All right. I'm trying not All to right. drink as much coffee. I got a I got a caffeine problem. <laughs> you got um, a caffeine problem? Oh man. What, what did you run out? You just go to the store, pick some more up, bro. You never run out of that shit. It's in like 20, in like 80% of the drinks you can buy at the store. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, I'm like, I get, I get in the, uh, I'll like go on a phase where I don't drink coffee for a little bit. Yeah. And then I'll just go ham on it. And I, and I'll drink like 32 ounces of coffee. Not like- Let me tell you about what you're doing here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I hang around the fitness community, the holistic healing community, and uh, I hung out with this dude. And listen, I'm going to say something really cool about him, and then I'm going to kind of talk shit, okay? But this isn't meant to offend anybody. I saw this crazy badass motherfucker named Captain Morgan. Not that captain, but he is a pirate and a captain of his own lifestyle. And the captain did... Uh, 20-minute ice bath. Holy shit. Wait, I'm not done. That's not the crazy shit. Underwater with straw. We had this tiny-ass little straw. And fucking 20 minutes underwater, eyes closed. You can't open your eyes. You can, but you tell yourself to close them. But I watched this badass motherfucker do one of the most manly things ever. And I'm recording this thing, and I feel like I'm filming a Faces of Death video. Like, yeah. I felt guilty. I was like, this is wrong. I mean, what a what a badass to be able to do something like that. But then I think about ice baths, you know, like, and you're talking about using on and off caffeine. Uh, one of the reasons we take cold showers or ice baths is to challenge our stress response. Yes. And so, why didn't he didn't seem like he had a fight through shit? He just got on the water smooth, got underneath, and he just chilled out. Yeah. Bad joke intended. And it started getting me to think, like, is that effective? If mm. you took an ice bath once a month, really fucking cold ice bath, it would challenge you in a way that taking an ice bath every day doesn't. And so Dude. whenever um, my clients, my students have a problem, uh, I'll bring up one, for instance, smoking cannabis. I have students who smoke cannabis and they'll ask me for advice on cannabis. And I give them advice that nobody's ever gave them before. Don't stop. <laughs> Don't quit. <laughs> Just smoke less. There you go. Uh, yeah. Caffeine. True. Don't quit. Have a healthy relationship. Know when to take it. It's a medicine. If you got to work, you got to do a fucking podcast. Drink a goddamn coffee. Get in the mode. All right. Yeah. But using it all the time, is it really effective? If you're putting yourself through constant stresses into a point where stress doesn't bother you, then how do you know oh, you're challenging man. stress? And so it's, it's the yin-yang. It's the balance. Um, and, you know, uh, the way I like to weigh that balance is like, is it good for me? Is it bad for me? Does it make me smile? 
that's mm. usually the caveat to me answering the question. Is this good for me? Yeah, cool. Right, it's fun. Uh, is it bad for me? Yeah, all right, cool, let's do it. Uh, as, long as, <laughs> as long as I'm having fun, um, I imagine I will outlive everybody. As long as I'm smiling. Oh, yeah, man. You know, I, think, I think there's not, something to that. Not dieting and stressing myself out over being healthy, which I enjoy taking care of myself, but I don't stress myself out to that level. And I, and you know, as long as it makes me smile, then is it really stressing me out? No matter what the weight uh, weight is, you know, like I think about like the people who live the longest, Mm -hmm. they're happy. They're happy people. They like have this sense of joy uh, about them. They get emotional and cry over pictures of grandkids. But that old crouchy old man, fuck that guy. All right. Not only does he wrap 100%. his shit up soon, nobody wants to hang out with him. No. Nobody wants to hang right. out with him. So, like, you know, if living is um not being alone and like forming community and giving and receiving love, you know, the smile mm-hmm. for me is the if I'm happy, I'm doing it. Bam. Yeah. Oh, fuck Bam. yeah, man. I think there's a I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of stuff like in the health and wellness community where people are like they get too restrictive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and and I yeah. think that's a good I think that's a good healthy balance. It's like, yeah, like for instance, like I pretty talk pretty openly about like me microdosing like pretty much every day, you know, mm. especially before jujitsu. Um, and mm. and it's one of those things where it's like you know, it makes me, it does make me happier. It does make me like think a little bit differently than I had before. You know, I come up with crazy (laughs) shit like that. I I would, that I had never thought about like in the moment though. You know what I mean? In flow. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, fun story. I grew up, um, fighting mixed martial arts. I was a professional ass whooper started out in traditional martial arts as a kid did the karate thing um sooner or later i took my martial arts career to the next level which was like competing aggressively and i ended up um getting into some cage fight i was a professional fighter and i totally forgot the story i was going to tell what were we talking about uh flow state ah flow state <laughs> weave yeah so, um, i was a pretty narrow i was an extremely narrow minded at the time as far as like cannabis and you know drugs whatever i didn't drink i didn't smoke and uh it just operated my body like it was a performance car just put good stuff into it um there's this dude named diego sanchez and he's a a fighter in albuquerque new mexico and he just has this amazing reputation for being a tough crazy guy emphasis on tough double emphasis on crazy do you know what tough crazy guy equals a tough that equals a tough crazy guy? That's the yeah. best combination of tough, tough crazy. So Diego wins this uh, reality TV show called The Ultimate Fighter. He was on the first season of Ultimate Fighter, and I'm going to give him some respect right now. This has never been mentioned before. He fought more people in his season of The Ultimate Fighter than anybody ever did, and wow. that's never it's never been talked about. Um, but Diego, in part of his winning, he won a Scion XB made by Toyota. It looks like a toaster on wheels. It's this completely square automobile 
that looks like a van and a hatchback had a baby. Okay. And I'm walking <laughs> up to jujitsu. Yeah, thank you. I'm walking up to jujitsu and I see Diego's car that he won. All right. And he's parked up front. He's got his own parking space. And this thing's just fucking rocking. I'm like, how many? I'm like trying to see how many people are in there. I'm like, you can't fit more than like four people in there. But it's like, there's like seven people. Now, great. Oh. We're all jujitsu friends. So like, there's like people in like scarful, like just kind of. Anyways, the window rolls down and not Diego, but one of my really good friends, Mike Valdez, you crazy son of a bitch. Ah, this guy was crazy. The window rolls down like a Cheech and Chong movie. Smoke pours out. And Mike is. <laughs> just like anybody who wanted acceptance who wanted to be part of the crew what did i say yes the king says yes i said (laughs) yes i'm in this van or this like little car and i knew like on the second hit i was done i was like i'm way too high the smoke in the car was way too thick i'm done but it was my (laughs) first time uh grappling on a different state of consciousness. I don't want to say a higher state of consciousness, but, um, and I found it to be just like you said, um, I dropped on a flow state extremely quick and I was doing moves I'd never done before. I remember, uh, there's a move called the Peruvian necktie. And this is years ago. I don't know if the Peruvian necktie existed, but I found it that day. And I just tapped out everybody, just everybody who was there, just, just doing this move to them. And I didn't even know what it was called. I didn't know how to do it. After I tapped a guy out, he's like, how do you do that? And I was like, I don't know. It's just fucking high, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I found, uh, and I didn't continue to practice smoking weed and, um, and doing jujitsu. It's just a one-time thing, but it was uh, a real eye-opening experience, which um, stuck with me for a while. Uh, I knew that once I got out of professional fighting, I like, you know, I still, I fought for uh, quite a number of years, but I was like, Whenever this is over, I'm getting a bag of weed. I mean, it was just on my <laughs> mind for years. It was like part of my retirement party. And um, yes. I wanted to incorporate cannabis into um, my lifestyle. Uh, number one, my fitness level, uh, like working out. Number two, my nutrition level. Uh, at that time, I was on a diet of chicken, eggs, rice, broccoli, like avocado. Oh, yeah. 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 Poor, <laughs> poor me. Yeah, um, it's amazing when you're poor, you can really eat well. Like you, <laughs> you can eat. <laughs> make it simple. And I just it's knew, true, I, man. I I knew if I smoked weed, I could eat a little. I could eat another meal of my chicken, rice, and egg, and it worked, man. I started smoking weed. Cardio became a game. It be, actually became an album. You know, I would just throw on an album. I remember. Um, at the time, this band Detroit, you got this album. And I remember I bought it and I went to the gym and I fucking did cardio through that whole album. I was like, people must think I'm crazy. <laughs> I mean, like the <laughs> fucking beat starts hitting the guy's like, I don't even remember the song. With the guy's yelling. Rah! I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm running as fast as I can. I mean, I just, my, yeah, cardio became an album and weightlifting became, um, less monotonous and more fun because I, I started just like playing the game of curiosity like well how, how much can I lift and how much can I lift at this angle mm-hmm. and uh yeah working out went from like uh a torture chamber 
Like, look at the fucking weight room and tell me yeah. it's not like a form of torture. Like, this guy's in the corner with a 500 pound barbell and plates on his back. He's trying to kill him. Right? Yes. He's trying to Honestly. rush him into the ground. He's like, ah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> same thing. Bench press. There's a guy this bar that's ah, trying to kill him. You know, cardio machines look like hamster wheels. They it's are fucking. hamster wheels. <laughs> but man, I added a little canvas in there and, uh, you know, game changer. It was, good. it was good. So, yeah, there's that story. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, everybody. Welcome, Mr. Leo Savage. If you don't, oh, yeah. know, <laughs> if you don't know who this man is yet, you will definitely, definitely find out by the end of this. Um, I actually interviewed Nate recently. So oh. yeah, I'm going through the whole gambit of SMS coaches. And I was like, well, it's only right that I get both the dudes who gave me my cert and handed it off to me you know right you were there for uh nate's um i don't i think it was actually the next certification we brought nate into being a still mace flow educator yep and um him showing up to that certification is how he got the job Um, let's go so for i guess for so those of you who don't know my (laughs) name is leo savage i'm a creator of a movement art called still mace flow it's called Mace Flow. It's called Steel Mace Flow. But uh, early on in my career, I made it a, a goal to um, create other leaders in, in my community. And so one of the ways that I would prospect and look for um, coaches um, was who's showing up. You know, when I got my job with uh, Onnit Academy, I worked for the Onnit Academy. I just kept showing up until... Every literally everybody thought I worked there. And when they found out I didn't work there, they were shocked. But I literally just showed up until I became part of the organization. And so, um, you know, when I ask, I don't want to ask anything that I'm not willing to do as a leader. And so that was part of um, that was part of it. Who's going to show up? And I didn't tell people. You just show up to 10 certifications and you're in because people will be dishonest with who they really are to get a position and not like a dishonesty, like you're lying, but like, did you want to go to it because this is what you love to do? Or did you go to it because you're positioning yourself? Mm. And so positioning can be, it's deceitful in nature. Um, It's a survival tactic as well. So it's not looked at like a negative thing, but I always think of the ship sinking, you know, there's a boat, and it's sinking and the rats scurry and they position themselves in a place of safety. And so I've never mm-hmm. liked the idea of somebody scurrying for a position. Uh, I always just liked the, uh, the idea of, you know, did, are you the right person because of who you are? Not, not the goal in front of you. So Nate, um, who I've loved his work, um, just a big fan of his lifestyle. I, Nate, if you're there, I love you. And I love all my coaches and friends and students. And there's no middle ground with me. We don't talk or I love you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> That's it. And um, uh, yeah, Nate is a shining example of uh, the qualities that we want our still mace flow coaches to have. 
Um, and with that, uh, another one of the things I look for is, um, are we friends? Uh, when I grew up uh, learning about business, there's the idea. It's a good idea, man. But I don't listen to people. I just do things that I want to do. But um, you've probably heard this before. Don't hire your friends. Once you yeah. get money involved with your friends, it gets weird. <laughs> Matter of fact, yes. you're the boss. So you've already asserted an alpha position over them, which changes the dynamic of the relationship. They feel like they have to listen to you even when not on the clock. And so um, part of taking in people who are friends is I wanted people who didn't like necessarily see me as a superior, but like Leo is my friend. He's got my best intentions. And, uh, you know, Nate's been a good friend of mine for uh, a number of years. And so it was really, um, it's a really a beautiful thing to transfer your light, you know? So uh, when I grew oh, yeah, up, I, is. dude, I wanted to be seen, boy. I mean, I want, look at me. I was, you know, if there was a play, I was up there trying to get seen. And I just really felt like I never got uh, enough attention growing up. And um, when I created Steel Mace Flow, dude, they saw me, man. Like, oh, yeah, they did. The world saw me. And it was like, it, dude, it's the most beautiful thing in the world to create something. And people appreciate that art and uh, associate that art with you. It's, it is, um, other than being in love, it is the most wonderful feeling I've ever had. And um, I didn't want to keep it for myself. I didn't want to be the only one seen. You know, I look at, at the Mace community and I look at the other leaders. There's a general focus on um, the leader of the tribe. There's not a big focus on the other coaches that work for. Matter of fact, when I look at the Mace community, there's only one person who can certify you in their mace arts whereas in steel mace flow we have people from different countries people from different cultures we have people who live alternative lifestyles we have many coaches who share the light of being able to certify you and so um yeah that's that's part of it i guess i don't know why i jumped into it we went for it <laughs> oh man i think it's uh I think it's, I think it kind of just shows everybody who's listening, like your heart, you know? And one of the things that I experienced while I was going through the cert was, um, you know, feeling, feeling more passionate and just feeling more through all of the movements, you know, you do, you do a beautiful job of, you have absolutely beautiful job of like getting right into the heart, you know, and it was such a, it was such a powerful experience for me. And it, and it just like shot me like out into like the stratosphere, you know? And I was like, okay, yeah. like, cause I had been playing around with the mace before for a little bit, but you know, that experience taught me so much more about myself you know and it taught mm -hmm. me so much more about the mace and about my movement practice you know um yeah i think the uh, uh thank you so much for the compliment for the uh the service that we provide and um when people come to my educations i, I figure you can teach yourself this stuff or you can learn some moves from a professional uh 
hopefully they're from my team. But one thing that's really hard to teach people is what it feels like when I'm in flow. Uh, very mm-hmm. often when I work with a student, like I might have somebody fly in to work with me and I'll say, what do you want to work on? You would imagine if you were flying in to work with me for a couple of weeks, you would have a list of things that you wanted to learn. I want to learn this move, I want to learn this transmission. 10 out of 10 times, people say that they just want to feel what it's like to flow. Mm. They don't want to learn moves. They don't want to learn techniques. They just want to feel the emotional connection. They want to like, what are you going through when you're doing that? Um, and so for a lifetime, for well, it feels like a lifetime, for the lifetime of my work, uh, I've asked myself this question. You know, So I first picked up the mace and I f- was flowing freely with it. And I felt this healing property. Three, 360 degrees, like mind, body, and soul. Everything started healing and not in a forced way, man. It was weird. It was weird. The fucking gym's hard work. Life's hard work. And when you find the hard work, congratulations, that's where the success is. Like when you're at the gym and shit's hard, you're like, cool, this is going to make me strong. And then when life gets tough, we go, fuck Mm -hmm. this. Even though that's the thing that's going to make you strong. How you deal with it? And, um, but connecting to the heart, connecting to the emotion, you know, people say, uh, or for myself, the question is like, I want people to feel how I feel when I'm in flow, but it's kind of tough. Like, how do I make people feel like I feel? And so, uh, a big part of that still makes flow certification is to, um, give you a practice. Now you said, I, you said, I learned a lot more about myself. I like shot off into the, into the hemisphere. But I think what you got was the rocket ship and the fuel from the education. After that, you got to unlock the door. You got to get in the fucking rocket and strap yourself on and go over the life lessons to make them stick. And, and so really when I hear somebody say that they had a life-changing experience at the, uh, at the certification, what I hear is, I have been practicing what I've learned. And, oh. uh, and so thank you so much for um, continuing the practice. They, they are, I do get some really good compliments about the educations. Uh, and I like to just say this, like, whatever you're looking for, is, it's looking for you so bad. Mm. Like, if you're looking to create yourself, like, yourself is looking to create you. There's always mm. something there. And so you just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Had you taken this cert four years ago, you might have been like, bro, I ain't fucking crying. What are these pussies doing? (laughs) You know, (laughs) if I met you 30 years from now, you know, um, maybe this is all level one stuff for you and you need a higher state of consciousness and connection with your your movement practice. And so I'm glad that it hits you at the right time in the right spot as karma should, you know? Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. That's um, only the level one course, bro. <laughs> I know. I'm, I actually, I just hit Jeff up to do level two. So I'm, I'm all in, man. I was like, all right, let, let's go deeper. <laughs> let's Good, go man. deeper. Yeah. And uh, kudos for you for taking some time in between the practice, uh, between the level one and the, the, um, the level two. And um, you mentioned Jeff Oaks, who is... Um, I like to think of my as my right hand man. Uh, but Jeff is uh, 
one of my oldest students, Jeff has been with me for six years, bro. Damn. Wait, seven? Is it seven? I think we're going on seven years. Uh, Jeff is, I've been lucky enough to help serve as uh, Jeff's coach. And honestly, I learned so much from him. He's my coach too. Uh, but it's been so great to have him. And um, uh, Jamie Pinto, who's uh, another level two Steel Mace Flow educator, uh, actually, dramatic boss. <laughs> dude, dude, I got super sick, man. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, so, you know who the liver king is? Yeah. All right, so I went to this men's retreat. And they're like, hey, we're eating raw liver. It's like, fuck yeah. Want to do some manly oh, shit? man. So I eat some raw <laughs> liver. And let me tell you what, I felt like I was cheating, bro. I felt like Captain America after they gave him that shot that changed him from a wimp to the fucking Incredible Hulk. Yes. Isn't that weird? America's superhero did steroids. You know, <laughs> Captain America just took a shot. And everyone thinks he's fucking cool. <laughs> John Jones does a little steroid. Everybody hates him. Right. Oh my god, dude! I never even thought about that. <laughs> what a what a statement to the world! <laughs> I like seeing things my own way. I love. What that. was I talking about before that? That ripper. <laughs> uh, raw liver. Oh yeah, I'm gonna need your help, man. Because this I got this primo. <laughs> um, I got you, bro. So I ate the raw liver, and I'm like, dude, there's a lot of. It's a man's retreat. There's a lot of testosterone floating around here. Like we're doing like aggressive stuff. And, but I'm like, also like, there's that feeling of like mm -hmm. being in camp with men and being men, like uninhibited men saying shit. Like, dude, you should have heard the stuff we said, the stuff we did. I can't say it on this podcast, but we, <laughs> we had fun. Um, and there's this feeling if you've ever been on a team, that you just feel stronger baseball team jujitsu team whatever but i felt this other thing and i knew it was the liver man like my body was like lusting after raw liver that was in the fridge 4 a.m i'm laying there sleeping outside in fucking rain shitty tent and i'm like oh it's in that raw liver <laughs> so i you know i did a little research just eating raw liver and uh i don't know if that's what got me sick yeah, I came home and I continued the practice, ate some raw liver, ate some lettuce, was doing a couple things. And uh, I had a photo shoot coming up. Uh, so I was just being uh, very conscious of what I was putting in my body. And uh, the raw liver was like the only thing new I introduced uh, to my system. Um, I don't want to say that that's what it was. There's like a bug floating around. Like, oh, who knows what the fuck it was? But um, yeah, the raw liver made me feel like captain. Yeah, today oh, I went yeah, to the grocery dude. store and I'm like looking at the liver and I'm like, it's a bad idea. But like, I also wanted, I want to do it. And, um, you know, I, I probably would have, um, I'm living, uh, with me and my partner live together. And so being in a relationship, you make uh, a decision for yourself, but it affects, affects the house, the cats, oh, yeah. the dogs, my partner, uh, God bless Ashley for taking care of me. I got sick. After I got sick, I was feeling like a little good. So I fucking went, started swinging a mace. Here's the thing. Flow, flow state is a pain inhibitor. 
you'll mm. be hurting your body, but you're in flow. You don't care. You sure. don't care. And so I don't feel good. I pick up my mace. Oh, wait. Wasn't feeling good. Woke up and I was feeling a little normal. I mean, no calories in me. I'm like still sick, but I do what any little kid does. And I wanted to play. I picked up my mace. I got in a flow state. I had an hour long workout session. I'm feeling like a million bucks. I slipped a rib. I have an old high school wrestling injury. I have a rib that pops out. And so I go from being sick for like 10 days. I get on a plane to go to New Jersey to teach a steel mace certification. Thank God Jeff and Jamie, who are previously mentioned, were there because I was like, guys, I'm sick. I'm here. I'm going to need your help. And they came through with uh, a lot of help. I flew back and like I've traveled sick. I needed to recover. So I was down again. And then I got up, was feeling good, decided to swing my mace and you know, pop the rib. So I'm like basically a month. I'm just like my, my poor partner, Ashley, is just like taking care of me. <laughs> like, oh my I'm, God. I'm like, I'm literally like, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I like, I busted my, rib, my ribs out. I don't know. She, you know, she, and she handles, <laughs> she handles it so well. Um, one of her love languages is giving care. And, um, and, you know, it's hard for me to receive that type of uh, care mm. and just being independent uh, and being tough. You know, you want to like do it yourself, like do your own dishes and like clean up after yourself. But when you're super fucked up, like um, this is weird. Ashley fed me like she made me food and she oh, fed damn. me and I was like. I've never been so vulnerable to like receive this much care. And it was like um, this falling of sorts and uh, being caught and uh, like knowing uh, I had protection. Not like somebody had my back or I was being taken care of, but um, Hell yeah. yeah, it was, it was wonderful, man. So that's beautiful, you know, but I am feeling, I am feeling better. Um, I'll end the story on a high note. You know, when you get sick and then like you lose some weight and then you go back out in public and everyone's like, bro, you've been hitting the gym. Check out your <laughs> arms. You're looking so good. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I had a photo shoot that I had been putting off because of all these injuries. And so like, I'm losing like all my body fat and I'm like, Oh man, I'm gonna look good in these photos because <laughs> I'm sick. So um, let's go. We use the sick. We use the sickness for our advantage. Yes, we use it yes. for our advantage. We went. We took it to the photo shoot with us, and um, you know, I made I, sure I test. I did all the tests to make sure I wasn't gonna get anybody sick or anything. It was just like some type of bacteria. But uh, I think the photos came. We'll see. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, man. I think we kind of we kind of touched on this first little bit, quite a bit actually. Um, so obviously, we know a little bit about your history. Like, so let's dive into that a little bit more. Like, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Um, um, how, let's let's kind of start with a couple of the or those, and uh, you know, continue to ask them as they go. But um, yeah. my history of growing up. Uh, I grew up in 
two small towns. Well, I was born in Texas, like literally born in Texas. Uh, my mom was in Texas nine months pregnant and boom. So I was born in Texas, but we lived in Hobbs, New Mexico. And, and I never got the whole story. I was born in Texas and kind of the only, it was kind of a fun thing around my family. Leo's a Texan and everybody else was <laughs> from New Mexico. So I grew up in a town, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and another town that uh, people associate with UFOs, Roswell, New Mexico, from the famed 1947 alien crash landing slash government cover-up. And so I grew up in, uh, I grew up in a very small town in Roswell, and I grew up in a very tough town, uh, which was Albuquerque. Uh, and I shared um, a couple of different people took care of me in those times. I bounced around uh, as a youth. I didn't have, uh, uh, God bless my parents, but I did not have the best upbringing. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I just kind of bounced around from those places. I did go to uh, high school in Roswell, New Mexico. And so um, high school is kind of one of those, you know, elementary school, middle school, your kid, he played, he did the monkey bar things. They took away your recess in middle school. You learned how to deal with that. Uh, but by high school, you start developing um, into your manhood or womanhood. You know, like we don't have, uh, as men, we don't have a tribal ceremony where you become a man. Actually, uh, the ceremony I had was, you're the man of the house now. Because, you know, daddy wasn't there. And I think back to, or I don't think back, but I think how many other young men, boys, initiation into manhood was divorce. You're the man of the house now. So high school, what I like to think of, it serves as that purpose of your tribal initiation into manhood. Because mm. it's probably the first time you're going to hang out with um, people who have gone through puberty who aren't like relatives of you. So um, you will be tested by the senior who's got armpit hair and a fucking mustache. He's the alpha. And uh, if you can put up with the challenges that high school bring, brings you, um, it's kind of like an acceptance into manhood. And uh, there's a celebration and you know, you're supposed to go achieve adult things after that. So uh, high school, I went to um, a school uh, in Roswell. There were three schools in Roswell, one for the Hispanics, one for the whites, and three for the people who um, were doing really bad. Mm. And there were train tracks that run through Roswell, and on the east side were the Hispanics, and on the opposite side were the gringos. And I'm combination skin. So yeah. I spent a lot of time on the railroad tracks. <laughs> Not knowing where to go and associate myself, my school, I remember when I first started Goddard, there was a bunch of Hispanics in one area, a bunch of uh, sports people in one area, you know, just the different cliques. Mm -hmm. But I swear to God, if you were a Hispanic in that school and you did a fucking thing wrong, they'd kick you out and you'd have to go to the Hispanic school, which was uh, known to be a little tougher school, uh, the Roswell coyotes and um but it was very segregated and you know as a kid like i saw that right away uh being in the two cultures you know i got to see um 
you know, I just got to see the difference of how people were treated. And guess which nationality I acted like I was. I was white as a motherfucker. <laughs> Bro, I wanted to go to the good school, man. Yeah. I didn't want to have to go to the tough school with the, like the gang violence. And, uh, you know, it was a tough school. Oh, yeah. It would like throw thumbtacks on our football field homecoming week. Yeah. Holy I mean, shit. dude, it was wild. Like they had a, a peace weekend. Anytime we would play them and they were like, listen, if you guys don't vandalize their school and you guys don't get any fights with, with them, we're going to let you off five minutes. This is true. Five minutes early every day for a week. So if there was no violence or a school rival rivalry violence, I'm talking the cheerleaders were fight, dude. I mean, the- it was wild. <laughs> what? No wonder I'm so wild. And, um, I'll tell you what my saving grace was in my in high school. Goddamn wrestling team. Um, I was small, but I knew I was scrappy. I've been in martial arts. And so I knew combat was a thing. And grades, I mean, I don't know if you've ever spell checked one of my Instagram posts, but you can imagine how I did academically. Uh, and I joined the, uh, the wrestling team, this Awesome dude, Jamie Martinez, Coach Jaime Martinez. Um, you see how I did that? I gave him his white name and his Hispanic name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was my special ed coach or my special ed teacher. I was in special ed growing up. Uh, they just didn't know what to do with me. One thing I really am thankful my mom did is um, they identified I had um, ADD when I was young and uh, they took me to a doctor and they wanted to put me on pills and uh, my mom was totally against it. And that was like a huge thing. Uh, looking back at it, had they put me on pills, I would be a much different, um, different person. Um, but because I was such a disruption, uh, I was in special ed and special ed was literally um, special needs kids uh, mixed in with gang members. And so yeah. at the, yeah, and it was just like they just threw anybody in special ed who they didn't know what to do with or who was washing out. And mm-hmm. sometimes it was a good thing because I remember a couple of my friends wanted to graduate. Like it was a big thing for them. But going to traditional classes, like they wouldn't have got the grades. And so I remember being in special ed and they were like, okay, do this math assignment. I'm like, I'm in fucking high school, bro, doing addition. Like mm. purposely getting a B. Not an A, because I want to get kicked out. Hustle. If I would have been getting mm. A's in special ed. Fucking <laughs> hey, hey, up. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but around Christmas, bro, I'd slide in, get some good grades, you know. Ah, so yeah, yeah. Around my birthday, get the good grades. <laughs> and then um, yeah, so um I didn't fit in. Like I kind of fit in because I got along with everybody, but like I knew not to associate, like I just understood the, the lifestyle. And um, one of my teachers name, uh, his name was coach Martinez. I said, what are you a coach? Of? He's like, I'm the wrestling coach. It's like, dude, I want to wrestle. And at that time I wasn't about going around and asking and getting information. I was very in my shell. And um, if you wouldn't have been, if I wouldn't have been in special ed, I would have never met coach Martinez. And he was like, yeah, tryouts are Tuesday and uh, I joined 
wrestling team. And I knew I was like, bro, I'm a black belt. <laughs> like, I'm going to kick this dude's asses. And uh, first day of tryouts, they hooked me up with this guy. His last name was Chacon. Chacon. And this dude beat my ass in a wrestling way. Mm. I felt like I was, I felt like I was something. And this dude cross-faced me, fucking fire, fire high fireman, single leg the shit out of me. I mean, he just <laughs> for three, I was literally, we went to wrestling. Coach Martinez goes, All right, five laps around the school, and we'll start practice. And that's five miles. I didn't know I could run five miles at the time. But it's like. Boom, I did it. And I was happy at how well I did. And, uh, and then I went down. I was tired. None of the varsity guys had to run five miles. They were just in there getting riled up by coach. All right. Mm. Make these guys quit. Anybody who doesn't quit is a good partner to train with. Everybody who quits, you don't want to train with them. You want to be good. And that's how it is at fight gyms, like a boxing gym, especially. Like if you're no good, they're just going to fuck you up and get you out of there because they want good quality training partners. And, um, so this Chikung kid just kicks my ass, bro. I'm like, well, I want to cry, dude. But like uh, at that time, I didn't express myself in that way. And that wouldn't have been the right environment, I don't think. Um, but after I got my ass kicking, I asked Coach, I said, uh, how do we know if we made it? And he goes, if you show up tomorrow, you're on the team. Boom, I was on the team. And uh, I remember my teachers would talk to my coach. And of course, my coach knew my grade because he was my coach or my teacher. And so me being eligible, um, I had to get good grades to be on the wrestling team. So it was just one of the, uh, my initiation into manhood was um, getting through those four years of, uh, of wrestling in high school. And uh, man, I learned so much about life during those years um, with the wrestling team. And I don't have a lot of like amazing memories about high school, but man, I have some, I mean, it was all about wrestling for me. Like that was, that was my high school thing. That was who I was is what I did. And, um, it really helped my, um, you know, being, uh, uh, combination skinned as I am, the wrestling team really helped me out because being on a team, it didn't matter what you were. You were just on the team, you were mm. black, white, Hispanic, you know, Portugal Creek didn't matter. You were on the wrestling team and, uh, and you were accepted. And so that really, um, helped me find a place to um, create uh, long lasting friendships. I love that. Yeah. Aliens exist. We saw one in Roswell in case you want to, <laughs> whenever I ask, tell people I'm from Roswell, they're like, Oh yeah. Does it really? Yes. So we saw some go. weird shit a couple times, you know? So, but uh, I, I fucking hope so. I fucking hope so. Me too. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I feel like, like- if I can't go to sleep, I'll just kind of daydream about when the aliens show up. Yes. And like the gifts they give us. You know? <laughs> yes. Dude, uh, I, I just listened to uh, um, side, sidebar <laughs> real quick. I just listened to Grant, Graham Hancock. And Randy yeah, I knew Ross. you were going to say that. Yeah, bro. Oh, man. And they were talking about how the Egyptians like use the blue lotus flower. And, uh, dude oh my god like when they got into that and i was like oh my god these motherfuckers were definitely talking to like interdimensional beings on a regular basis well where'd you go hold on one second you disappeared you got a call there we go yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
don't know how that happened. <laughs> Somebody just snuck through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So, yeah, I was thinking about it. And I was like, dude. Like, because people talk about when they do, like, certain psychedelics, you know? Like, you yeah. get to, like, experience certain uh, entities and whatnot. And I was like, man, this is a this is a totally different level to like what i was thinking you know was was out there you know especially back in that time you you know what i think all that stuff is fascinating yes but fuck that shit all right i want to talk about the future all right yes those past guys died all right (laughs) you got why are you studying those guys all right study study somebody who's still around very Um, true listen are there more dimensions yeah that fucking guy on Facebook is building one. The meta. The metaverse. metaverse. Yeah. yeah. Him and the rocket dude, Elon. Yeah. All right. Elon's building the brain computer the, shit. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking Neuralink. about? Neuralink. Yeah. yeah. Sooner or later, you're going to be able to fucking plug into your computer. And you don't think that's the goddamn sixth dimension? Oh, Everyone's yeah. like that's trying like... to figure out, like, do we have other, are there other dimensions? Aliens. Yeah. I'm like, bro, but we could just make whatever we want. Plug in. Right. Very true. Oh, it exists. All right. Have you, um, mainly. Have you seen the, oh, go ahead. Um, you know, everything that happens in science fiction movies, it turns out sooner or later, it's kind of real. And um, yes, you know, I've talked about this before, but if given a choice, see what happens when you die, or we can plug you into the construct. Plug me Ooh. in. Like, hey, look, you can unplug me, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. I'm going to go to this place, build my own heaven, create my own identity. I'm going to do all the things I do in heaven or wherever you believe your thing is. You want to come back as a ninja turtle? I can do that on virtual reality right now. That's true. And uh, (laughs) so, um, yeah, there are other dimensions, like whether they pre-exist our technology or our technology has created one it's just a far out thought to um true about like yeah i guess it is another dimension we we don't have access to it yet but it's the closest dimension that we have access to very true Hmm. yeah it's uh i think that'll be interesting in the future yeah i can't see i mean do you think we'll be around (laughs) though (laughs) i i I don't know man (laughs) Uh, it's a it's one of those things where i'm like the way technology is like evolving now like yeah. so quickly i'm like maybe yeah, it really just takes that one um catalyst you know it just really takes that one idea uh you know to to really change the way that we we deal as humans and dude if you haven't listened to that yet i would there's a little piece in there that i think you'd like heavy fuck with just yeah take you up on that yeah it's uh it's definitely in the trajectory of like what you're talking about you know um i do remember um so when i was in roswell new mexico i was so privileged um this is 1994 yeah 1994 and um I was taking karate. I was heavy into karate. And our instructor, master, 
I always try and call them something different. Uh, Ken Masters, there it is. Uh, he hired or he rented space to uh, a couple of guys that were like martial arts instructors. And one of them was this Gracie Jiu-Jitsu blue belt named Mike Jordan. And uh, Mike Jordan was like five foot eight, uh, you know, African-American. And um, he was smooth. He knew Kung Fu. He knew like Filipino knife fighting. And so oh, I got damn. to study um, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu uh, for those like four years. And it was like such a small crew that uh, I got, you know, I got to train with uh, Mike just a ton. And um, I forget where I was going with that story, man. Every time I take a hit, this happens to me. <laughs> um, Let's see if you can get third Mike, time's the Mike, charm. Can you get it? <laughs> martial, martial arts, Mike, uh, we were talking about you being oh. in Roswell right before that. We were talking about aliens. <laughs> this is just how podcasts go. You know. uh, I'll just kind of finish off that story. I don't know where I was going with it. Um, but getting to train with Mike, Mike Jordan really gave me an eyesight on, on combat sports. And it was this really neat system where, um, like I got my black belt in karate and it was just very easy. You'd memorize some forms, you do a bit of sparring and you'd break a brick or you break something. And the forms were always the toughest, you know, cause like I had to remember like how to move the whatever. And I remember now, thank you. You three for three, baby. And so um, when I started working out with Mike, um, I couldn't get a belt because at that time, in order to get a blue belt in jujitsu, you had to go to like official Gracie training center. And they were all in San Diego. This is like mm. 1994 through like 99. And uh, when I was working out with Mike, he started educating me on martial artists and how they fought and he would show me these videos of these big jacked up buff dudes, like getting choked out by, you know, any of the like submission dudes uh, that were famous back then. And uh, all the jujitsu guys had a similar build. They were all thin. And Mike was like, Hey, these guys don't lift weights because of these reasons. They stiffen up your punches. You can't grapple as well. They run out of energy so quick. And so I was always trying to develop different ways to strength train. And I have this amazing memory whenever I think back um, to that time. My grandma had a little bit of a, a yard, pretty big yard. And um, she had a, like a couple sheds in the back and I'd kind of go in them. I wasn't supposed to go in them, but like every now and then I'd go in. And I remember, I don't know where this motherfucking thing came from, but I was like building a ramp from my bike and I found this what was about as big as a, a yard rake, the stick. And, but it was a, just a fucking metal pole. It was solid. It was thick and it was rusty, but it was, mm. it reminded me of uh, the bow staff. Everything reminded me of, bow, of a bow staff. That was um, a stick. And I remember uh, using that thing to work out, like trying to do martial arts forms with it. Uh, with weighted implements at a young age to build strength. And my high school wrestling coach, Jaime Martinez, was also uh, a shoot fighter, which um, is another form of submission wrestling, but it's more like pain compliance 
wrestling. Yeah. It hurts. And or that's like how I like to describe it. And yeah, jujitsu is the soft art and uh, catch wrestling is not the soft art. <laughs> but he, um, he thought what I was doing uh, was important training in jujitsu, being a lifelong martial artist, competing in um, wrestling, and my ideas on weightlifting, my coach would hang up a punching bag and let me work on it while everybody else lifted weights. But I, I just as far back as I can remember, I always did um, untraditional fitness. And I wish hmm. I could look back at the moves I was doing with the staff or that weighted bar. and. Uh, I'm sure they would line up with what I'm doing currently. Uh, but, you know, throughout my life, I've always, I've always wanted to, you know, find my own way to work out. I always just found working out to be a little bit monotonous and back to that torture chamber idea. Mm-hmm. A form of torture for me is not being entertained, <laughs> not entertaining myself, not being the entertainment and uh, sitting still. And I know it's very good to sit still and I can do it. But it can be a form of torture for me. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so I've always created, as long as I can remember and think back about it, just different ways of working out. Uh, later on in my life, um, I ended up getting into uh, personal training and I got into kettlebells. Mm-hmm. And I got into kettlebells because that's what everybody else was doing at the gym. And there was a guy there who did sports style. And there was a guy there who did like Russian strong style or like, uh, so hard style, soft style again. And they were both badasses, but they would argue to the point of like, we have to break up Reese and Conrad. Like oh they're, they're that, they're that dogmatic about your practice. Like you're going to get someone hurt. Don't fucking do that shit. Blah, 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 you know? And I saw the, I saw the value. I was like, Oh, if I'm a wrestler, like that slow, arduous press is grappling and like the uh, clean and jerk or the snatch or the push press from um, the sports styles, like more like throwing your body into a punch, although it's vertical. But I saw, I was like, you guys are both right. Except for when you guys, you guys are arguing, that's what's wrong with the situation. But I didn't really want to get into kettlebells because there was like a battle going on, you know, I'd have to choose sides and, you know, I try and do a little bit of each one and, you know, it never, never really worked out. But around that time I started, um, I was training people at a UFC gym and, uh, I wanted to make, uh, well, you know, whenever you're a personal trainer at a gym, when you work out, it's kind of like your audition. Like I'm a coach. I go to the gym. I work out. People watch you. You're the fucking coach. You don't know how much weight you're lifting, what you're doing. They won't know what your secret sauce is. And so um, I would just go in there and do my own thing, do weird shit. And so I would have um, students who also like wanted to learn the weird shit. And so being at a UFC gym gave uh, me a freedom to teach people unconventional fitness. And what I mean by unconventional at that time was like, oh, yeah, we swing bow ropes. Yeah, we're so crazy. You know, and, <laughs> and uh, we do kettlebells. We're wild. And um so I would just make it a part of my, uh, my practice uh, in coaching to be an inter-trainer, mm. entertain him, train him. And, uh, you know, I just wanted you to have so much fun that when you went to the gym and I wasn't there, 
we were like, fuck, the vibe's not here. I don't like the DJ. The drinks are watered down. But when I was there, the drinks were full. The DJ was playing the song. So I just you always try to have a good time. And, uh, you know, I would always watch um, uh, other athletes, uh, UFC athletes train. And so this magical day, this is super magical. You know, let's zoom in a little bit. Let's zoom in a little bit. This is magic. Oh, yeah. Magic. Yeah. This magic day. <laughs> I'm watching a UFC show and you know, like a workout. Like these two guys are going to fight and they're showing them workout. And I loved watching these, you know, because I always get workout ideas. And Brock Lesnar's fighting Frank Mir. And, uh, Brock Lesnar's working out and I'm like, all right, what's he going to do? And like, I'm watching his workout. He's doing battle ropes and, you know, some other stuff like sled pushes. And then I remember him like hitting a monster truck tire with a sledgehammer, which at the time was not new age, but it was still like kind of new age. But he was, this motherfucker was doing it with one hand, like sledgehammer, one hand, just like hitting this like, Fucking makes thing. sense and for was, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, he's so strong, and that became my my uh, the beginning of my obsession with um, swinging a hammer. I went to the gym uh, like early in the morning. We had actually um, there it is. This very hammer right here. Let's go. Yeah. Um, that hammer's made in the USA, by the way. Yes. Um, I went to the gym to see if I could do it. And it became very apparent to me that the sledgehammer was a weapon because I was swinging it with one hand for some reason. It wasn't like a tool. It was like doing combat. Mm. And so I had, a life, I had a lot of time swinging things in martial arts. I liked uh, the bow staff, although the bow staff got extremely complicated, the transitions got wild and I was a little bit fumbly with my left hand. I was successful, but I was never really good. Mm. Um, nunchucks, it's horrible at, I'd always get too confident and then hit myself really hard. The quarter staffs, which are like just length of wood, they were cool, but I just never really liked them. The sword was very simple. The katas were very simple because swinging around a sword is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, like a 14-year-old kid swinging around a sword. You're like, Let's teach him kata number two. you know. <laughs> so, so, but the sword is something I really um, identified with. Um, but I mean, to tell you the truth, man, I swear to God, I was going to be Tom Cruise from The Last Samurai. That's Growing cool. up, I just knew I was going to be a samurai. Something about somebody who swung a sword uh, to me, at an early age, it built. When I look back at that, um, there was Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles. He had the sword. There was Lino from the Thundercats. He had the sword. And I just like, I was always fascinated with the sword. I remember watching the Highlander over and over and over. I remember being at Disneyland, bro. This is how obsessed I was with swords. And I'm going to Pirates of the Caribbean ride. This is back when they had skulls, like drinking booze. They were shooting <laughs> flamethrowers at you. I mean, that game, that was wild. It didn't seem safe. 
there we are at Disneyland. I'm going on this crazy ride. They're shooting fucking cannonballs. There's skulls everywhere. And then I see this, the first time I had seen a real sword. It's just like this sword. It's like in a pile of gold. It's like popping up from it. And I just remember mantraing. I'm young. The sword, the sword, the sword, the sword. And I'm just looking at it. And I'm like in my head, I'm going, the sword, the sword. Like it's echoing. And I just kept mantraing. And I'm not even watching the ride. I'm just like, like a creep, man. <laughs> Stocking this. Like a thing. And uh, I was just always fascinated with the sword. Um, the hammer is what well, kind of could, it doesn't act like a sword at all. <laughs> and um, if you flip a sledgehammer upside down, it acts a lot like a sword and feels a lot like a baseball bat if you've never held a sword. Uh, baseball bat's meant to swing. It's got a little weight at the bottom. It's designed in such a specific uh, weight that it generates force when you put force into it. It funnels rotation. And there's uh, and the sword is another thing that's meant to be swung. Oh, wait. That's, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Baseball bat sword. When you flip a sledgehammer over, it feels like a baseball bat. Like you can replicate baseball bat moves with a hammer or a mace upside down. And so when I flipped the hammer upside down, it made sense to me. I could do like sword and bow staff stuff. But when I flipped it upside down or right side up, it was so difficult. <laughs> it was so fucking tough to do any sword moves with a sledgehammer. And I was obsessed. I was like, dude, if you were a black belt in sledgehammer, you would be so strong. You'd be so strong. Like I was thinking about like combat strength, like functional muscle, like, uh, and I just dove deep, man. I, I got on YouTube, Google, everything, everything that was searchable. Yahoo. I was on. Yeah, dude, I was really on Yahoo typing in sledgehammer workouts, sledgehammer flow, sledgehammer martial arts, sledgehammer karate. Um, I ran into a couple things, um, uh, but it was all people hitting fucking tires, <laughs> every one of them. And I, but I just knew, like, I just didn't make any sense to me that something could be out there and be so challenging and so neat. And there not to be a landscape of information on what I felt was uh, very nourishing. Mm. Um, and so I went into the gym and I would do my sledgehammer karate and it didn't go well. Uh, nobody liked it. <laughs> uh, the staff was uncomfortable. Uh, they didn't want one of their coaches dancing around with a sledgehammer. Not, mm. not like it was a safety issue, but like, um, I don't know what the best way to say this, but I did, they felt like it was very feminine thing for a man to do they called me i got called gay a few times my gay mm. hammer dance i got uh, a lot of hate speech put towards me and uh you know when the alphas are putting you down what do the other people do they so join like, in yeah even if they're like my homies like yeah. bro i had you remember when you were kettlebell battling and i was like bro it's all good and like now i'm like doing this and you're like but what the fuck are you doing like that's that like that shit's gay leo dude i heard that all the time i don't mean to offend anybody but i want you to hear the reality of the challenge i faced 
you know, and uh, yeah, uh, and I was like, all right. So I started working out at 4 a.m. Every morning, I had the key to the gym. Fucking pop that bitch open. I turned the music up as, I mean, as loud as the shit went. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, fuck your speakers. I hope they pop. I mean, dude, I was like, I, you know, 4 a.m. All right. Yeah. You guys making me do this shit. There was a bakery next door and they oh, were up early cool. too. And like, I was like, I don't care, man. I just <laughs> loud as I could. And dude, all that rejection, like it's some powerful energy to work out. And I just found out like any of the stresses I was having were being expelled through this nonverbal communication. Mm. I was acting out the things in my day. Like when you, like when most people lift weights, you got, you had a bad day, work, go to the gym, you go to jujitsu, you work out your emotions. Isn't that weird? You're doing a workout. Yeah. Right. But you you work out your emotions at the gym. A thousand and percent. So I'm so like, I just like, I'm finding this therapy thing and I'm loving it and I'm constantly researching and nothing, nothing's out there. And uh, one day this guy comes to the gym to teach um, kettlebells. His name's Ken Blackburn. He's an IKFF legend, world champion kettlebell lifter, gentle giant. His son's an amazing uh, kettlebell athlete as well. And he's got a ton of students. I mean, this guy's uh, second to none. I mean, um, but he came in and he was going to teach a kettlebell certification. There was a lot of pressure on me to get the kettlebell certification. They wanted me teaching sports style kettlebells. But I knew that if I did that, then they would get shitty with me for you moving the kettlebell a different way. And so I was very reluctant to get into the kettlebell certification. Money was tight. It just didn't seem like something that was important. So I was, while everybody was getting their kettlebell certification, I was working and manning workout stage. Yeah. I was like the coach that day or whatever. Um, and so I'm watching the kettlebell thing happening and I'm like, I'm taking care of my class. And sooner or later, the kettlebell coach, uh, Ken, I ended up talking to him. I was like kicking a bag and he's like, hey, do you mind if I give it a kick? He was just like, I was like, well, you're super huge to be so nice and polite. Like, <laughs> I, I, lo I love that about people, you know, but I just remember like, I like you, dude. I remember I was like, man, this guy, you know, I just felt detached right away. Yeah, good and, uh, he throws a couple kicks and I just like kind of talked to him for a second and then out of nowhere. Uh, I said, Hey, you ever heard of like mace training? <laughs> and he's like, just kind of looks at me kind of confused. And he's like, what do you know about the mace? Well, in my study of the sledgehammer, uh, the only thing that was close to it was a steel mace. And there were a couple of examples of steel mace that had been put out that people were doing three sixties with, uh, mostly in India, but a very small group of men, uh, we're swinging 360s here in America. And uh, I told him everything I knew about the mace. He was the first person I got to talk to uh, who, who like wanted to know. Like nobody at my gym wanted to talk to me about it. Don't do it in front of us. Don't do it in front of people. Like, <laughs> and uh, you know, the guy who came down to teach them the shit wants to talk to me about the shit I'm not supposed to talk to about 
And I'm just talking to him. And he's like really listening. Yeah. And I'm like, there's this practice they do in India. There's all these workouts. There's a small, tiny portion of it. They swing this thing called the gata. A lot of people think like this gata, the gata India steel mace thing is like they exist together, but they don't. A steel mace that was made for war and the gata, which is a bamboo shoot and a giant stone, you don't do the same movements with. They don't swing the same, but they look alike. And mm. like calling a basketball shoe a running shoe. Mm. They do serve a similar purpose, but it's not, it's not what it's made out to be. We just, as Americans, like we like to imagine the story's bigger than it is. And I learned all this from uh, the Flowing Dutchman, who's uh, an amazing maze person who has traveled the world uh, learning uh, about culture and, uh, and fitness. And, um, so anyways, uh, I tell him everything I know. And he's just like, I can't believe you swing a mace, man. Like, you know, I, there's, I'm going to send you a mace. Look, I, I hang out with this company called Onnit, And they give me a ton of mace. I'm just going to send you some. Let's go. Okay. And so, you know, like a couple days later, I walk in to uh, the gym. I'm teaching a Thai boxing class on the bags, you know, like cardio fitness. And the receptionist, Chelsea, um, she says, Hey, Leo, there's like some things here. They have to be for you. It's like a hammer. And I was like, thump, thump, thump. And like yes. they had opened, they had opened up the mace boxes. There were three of them, 10, 15, 20 pounds. And I have to teach class. And I'm like, so I touch my class. It's like five o'clock class starts, ends at six. It wasn't a very good class because I really was out of my head. You know, I was out of my body. I was like mentally checked out or checked into what was going to happen. But I mm. teach a class. And as soon as it's over, uh, I ran and I grabbed it and mace and it was like, um, it was different, man. Like your hands are meant to glide. Mm. Sledgehammer, your hands stick. Uh, and it wasn't a hammer for building. It was a weapon for killing. It was different. Like basketball shoes and running shoes. I finally felt like I had the right equipment. And... I just went just that time just flew by and I don't know what I did. Even thinking back to this moment now, I remember um, one class leaving, which I knew an hour had gone by. And then I remember another class leaving, which I knew a second class had gone by. And then I remember the third class leaving and then the lights turning off. The security lights were still shining. But, um, and I like took a knee and I was like, I had more energy than when I started. And my hands were shaking. And I don't know if it was from energy, finding purpose, or if I was just that tired. But I knew, like, right then, I was like, I found you. Three hours. And uh, I went, I couldn't wait to work out the next day. I couldn't wait to wake up. I couldn't wait to, like, have a date. And I was 
And that wasn't like, that wasn't who I was. I wasn't happy about the day. I wasn't happy about going in and working with these Neanderthals that have pigeonholed me into this position. I don't want to go to a place where nobody understands me. Uh, home life wasn't working out as well. It's kind of hard to be in a relationship with the person that I was. Not a happy mm -hmm. person. But I couldn't wait to wake up. I couldn't wait to go fuck around with the mace. And I did. And I wouldn't stop. I never, I just haven't stopped since. And that was, um, yeah, that was my, my very first mace tail. I still swing my sledgehammer on special occasions. But, um, yeah, I've been swinging a 10-pound mace for, dude. Yeah, I've, I've had my ninth year. Um, my shit. yeah i think my anniversary wait october yeah oh shit i missed my mace anniversary you know things like that man you know you're like so looking forward to your your day of celebration uh but then it like passes you by by a month <laughs> and you're like oh i've been doing it for nine years um yeah nine years what a what a what an adventure man yeah, dude. No way. No, I haven't missed it. It's in November. Oh, huh. I have to look it up. I think it's no. I don't know. I'm kind of. I don't know what it is. I hope you, <laughs> I have to I look hope it you, up. I hope you didn't miss it. <laughs> I kind of hope I missed it. You know, because it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of neat that um, I'm not so obsessed. Uh, yeah. With uh, with it with the uh, the practice anymore. Um. I guess I'm just obsessed in other ways, but um, I was talking to my students. I just taught a steel mace for a level two certification. And uh, the truth is uh, I do not practice the steel mace as much as I used to. And it's by a lot. And, and I think I've come up with uh, a reason. Uh, the mace has always been therapy for me. Um, this very awesome dude, his name is Rich. He's a friend of mine. He's a student of Steel Mace Flow. And uh, he said this thing. He just said, he said, I got to deal with my shit, but I don't want to talk about it. But I know I got to deal with it. And so mm. Steel Mace has been very important to his like practice of life and being able to build bonds and relationships. And um, I've used the Steel Mace to uh, help me deal with depression, uh, social anxiety, uh, my ability to give and receive love. And I've conquered those mountains. I'm not depressed. It is such a neat thing to be depressed. Almost, it feels like once you've become depressed, it feels like you've been depressed your whole life. Yeah. And, but to be in a place where I'm not depressed, I'm, I'm happy. And I don't go to counseling or you stop going to counseling uh, when it's worked, you know, and, and so I'm so happy to have taken and found the right medicine uh, to get me to a place where um, I don't have to exercise my demons as much. And mm. so now when I pick up the mace, um, it's just for good times, man. It's one, uh, I, I do it to like, I've been sick 
Uh, I like to use the mace to rehab myself um, and fun. And uh, I am addicted to the healing process. And so I think it's a lot of fun to um, build myself back up. Um, and so I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to this healing process and using the mason in it. Uh, but, you know, I just don't have a lot of negativity to, to uh, contend with. And uh, I'm so happy and, and, and honest and honestly, kind of sad. <laughs> part, part of me is being real. And maybe anybody who's listening can relate. Have you ever just fuck something up? <laughs> like, and you're telling yourself, don't do it, but you're doing it anyways. Like oh, yeah. A little chaos magic. Part of me wishes uh, that I was tormented so I could pick my mace up and exercise for six hours a day and create beautiful art. You know, when you look into artists and you like start looking at like Van Gogh or any significant painter, they were tortured. Big you look time. at musicians, they wrote the song that changed the world. It was about the fucking hard time. It was about like the shit they were going through and the pain. Big time. And then, um, and so I was able to create a lot of beautiful art with, uh, with that energy. Now, I'm not self-selecting sabotage. I'm not going to go back into it. Uh, but it is awesome to, like, uh, it's awesome to have progressed, man. It is. Yeah, it seems like, uh, it seems seems to me like one of those things that you know and at least in my life right now you know i just a big part of my personal practices uh, focused on do i enjoy it mm. you know does mm. it fill like does that fill me up with does it fill me up with joy like do i leave and even if it's like one of those days where you're like man fuck everybody <laughs> you know it, i go I, i'll go be by myself move and i feel so much better you know and i think it's one of those things where it's like it's it's so useful to have uh, a lot of different tools in the toolbox and be able to move things in whatever way you need to and i think that's like you know um, like I love, I love the ropes, you know, I love kettlebells. Um, I love, I, I honestly love lifting really heavy too, but mm. there's something, there's just something different about the maze. Man. Like if I'm having, if I'm having a tough day, my first instinct isn't let's pick up the kettlebell. Mm. It's like, no, straight to the maze every mm. time, every time. Um, and well, there's a there's a lot of healing in those moves. You know, yeah. if you think about the practice as a whole, I created Steel Mace Flow to heal myself, and so each move that is in there was designed to help get through some stuff. And so you're doing moves that were designed to help somebody heal. And so there's a natural calling to, for people uh, with emotion to move the mace, and. Um, yeah, man. Thank, thank you for that. Uh, what, what moves in particular are you doing? Do you know, or is it just like a, a free flow? 
Um, so I kind of do it two ways. So I'll do like, like if I see something, like if I watch you do something with the mace or I watch, you know, Jeff do something or like I've been, um, checking out, uh, Sean Pierce a lot, some of his stuff. I'm like, if I see somebody do something with the mace that like catches my attention, um, I may create like a structure around the floor. Yeah. Yeah. But I really. I really love playing this game where I'm like, okay, let's maybe I take a piece of that where it's like, cool, let's take the start position. Right. So I yeah. call it like, I kind of like call it like, uh, like start, start and return, you know? So like go start at a position, do whatever you want to do, mm. but you got to get back to that same starting position. Oh man, I love that game. Uh, and it's a game that I like to do when I'm teaching mace, but yeah. I'll give the assignment of, uh, Hey, go from point a to point B knowing, you know, it's kind of like asking a loaded question. You're going to probably choose the most linear path and then they'll do it. And I'm like, you guys did it wrong. You got to take the <laughs> most complicated path. Yes. Go from point a to point B, but get crazy in between yes. and so that's um <laughs> and then i like the architecture of um uh so i used to play this game and so you know we have we flow alike uh, but whenever i would find a new move whether it was creation or like i seen something that inspired it it had to meet all my new all my other moves like mm -hmm. all right dude i learned this new shallon wrist thing bro i'm going to introduce you to my 360 okay i'm going to do a mill into the shallon and then it's like, Ooh. wait, 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 wait. Now I have how 360 mil Shaolin? Oh, sword swing. And so just propping up all my moves around it. And what you'd usually, what I usually find is another path. Mm. And so I just like, oh, here's this new move or here's this new transition. And I would continue to do the, uh, the matrix to that new move. I um, love it. Yeah, so that's uh, I I like that. You know, those are those are always fun. Those are always fun times when I, you tell your student, and I don't know if you do that with your students, but like point A to point B, get crazy. But it's so neat for them to like, wait, I get to do whatever I want. You're like, yes, yeah. <laughs> and you'll find out the ones who really like to play, like they'll do something very uncharacteristic. Like I had a guy like hold his mace up like a rifle and he's just like shooting and like doing some rolls and just like playing guns yes you play guns as a kid you like run around oh 100 yeah. yeah and uh i was like are you playing guns and he was like yeah and i was like <laughs> perfect yes <laughs> perfect yeah I, I think that's it too like you know i i think that like you know you're like at the beginning you're like hey like what does smf mean to you oh there there he goes. Hold on. <laughs> Is that your cat? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on one second for me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think he's going to go get the cat and bring the cat back. Get the cat there he goes, the, the boss. <laughs> he said, I'm out. Let me yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he heard his brother like going crazy in the background. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I think it's like you asked me in the beginning, you're like, what does SMS mean to me? I was like, freedom, you know, 
because mm. that's what it that's really that's really what it is and i think it's like that you know like your your student playing guns with the with the mace like it's like that inner child that like just wants to wants to get out you know and like i'm i resonate heavy as fuck mm. with the you know you the sword thing you know like i or like you know wanting to be like a warrior you know mm. what i mean like i i i think that's one of those things too that it's a it's a the mace practice is so interesting because it's this yin and yang thing you know like it is it is when you move it's like you create the masculine structure and then that play that gets introduced is like that feminine energy you know what i mean you you know i've looked at this for a while and what makes it what makes people describe it as feminine? Is yeah. it the music? Is it the way we move? Because I've seen people play like Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And like thrash around with their mace. And here's, here's my idea. Here's what helps me find peace. Um, when I think about a female moving, I think about their hips shaking, which I think about the tailbone, the bottom of the spine articulating forward, back, side to side. I also think about the, uh, the chest and how it moves on a female. But if I were to describe a female, this might be the key. Yep. And when I look at a way that a masculine alpha lifts, it's like this. Mm-hmm. So anytime you show emotion, you, you bend your spine. Yep. And so I think that there's a, a constant Hey, that's feminine because we're showing emotion. Because if that emotion's medieval Marilyn Manson, they still say it's feminine. It can be feminine. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah. And then the way that we um, coil our spine, as uh, David Weck likes to say, um, there's this part where your heel comes up off of the floor and your toe is pointed into the floor, much like wearing a high heel. Mm-hmm. And so we're creating these structures that um, that people are identifying with, like feminine. But then here's this weird thing: you said like your inner child. Mm-hmm. A lot of like, is it somebody else, or is that your inner you? Because a lot of mm-hmm. times when we think of our inner child, it's like, oh yeah, there's this dude, and then here's me. Yeah, but it's not. It's not your fucking inner child, bro. It's me. It's your. It's your play. All right. Mm. Boom. It's not okay. And then you're feminine, like your yeah. feminine side. No, dude. All right. There's not boom, child, you man, you feminine, you No, boom. All right. Yep. Bam. It's the heart. Yep. All right. So there's not an yeah. inner child. It's like your play. Yeah. And then your understanding of, you know, the opposite sex, you yeah. know, like I have a student and I've said this before. He's so masculine. He's like fucking. There's like a weightlifting guy that I used to like back in the day. My wife doesn't understand me. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, you're so fucking alpha, beard, fucking gun oil, fucking plaid shirt, son of a bitch, wearing boots. <laughs> of course, you guys don't understand each other. It's, yeah, it's true. You know, you've uh, rejected um, female understanding, not your inner feminine. Yeah, it's a, 
I think that's honestly too, like, it's funny you say that. Cause I feel like that's something that's, I, it's helped a lot of areas in my life, but that's one of them. You know, relationship. 100%. Man. Uh, I never thought it's neat to see the stories that have come out uh, from steel mace by the practice, but love stories. Um, I, there's a, a student of mine, a uh, student, our student of steel mace flow, uh, Jared, Michael Thomas. And we took a, a trip to Hawaii, uh, a group of us. It was my buddy, Mateo. Um, Nate was there. Jared was there. And we all shared a place. And um, Jared ended up having a, a little Hawaiian romance. And there's plenty of posting about this. So I don't feel like I'm telling anybody's like laundry. And, uh, but he made a May state and that was what they were going to do in Hawaii. I love it. And she was in this nice dress and Jared was dressed nice. And they were out there on the sunset, like sun going down, doing mace flow. And I'm just like, oh, let's go. Maze date. And um, another one, uh, I have this really good friend, Danny Rios. And uh, I've learned a lot from Danny Rios. He is, he's got a heart big as the sun. And guy, you can see it from a mile away. And uh, he, he got married recently. And I'm talking to his wife and I'm like, oh, hey, tell me the story. And she's like, well, you know, Danny's like, you know, he's just Danny. You know, he's funny, you know. And, uh, but, you know, he's like, you know. And then one day he grabbed the mace, like the stick. And he starts moving around. And she was like, oh, oh, I like, oh, I like Danny. <laughs> and so she saw his, um. She saw like a different side of him and, uh, and not to say that they, that she wasn't going to see that side of him doing something else, but it's just neat to have um, romances um, around, around the mace. Mm -hmm. We've had, uh, we've had a couple of people who have had children, uh, but not a mace couple. And so mm. we're still waiting. I'm still like, I try not to like forecast stories that I want to see, but um, I do hope I live long enough uh, to see a couple who met Swing and Mace and, uh, you know, had a, a child. And, I, you know, I think that would be a, the, the Mace baby, a fun thing to take to the metaverse with me or yes. heaven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that, that baby will be the, the, uh, the one who Joseph creates one. the for the force. <laughs> I have an ongoing joke about that. The, the flow. Yes. If you practice still may flow long enough, it'll turn into the force. Man, honestly. The parallels are stupid, bro. If you look at fucking yeah. Star Wars and, and then you look at Leo Savage story, it's basically me. It's yeah, same thing. Yoda, yeah. I got a fringe bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I didn't get my hand cut the off, but I got a hand tattoo. The the comparison to Yoda, to dude. The, all right, I got a I got a Star Wars 
riff and i'm gonna just say it real quick because we're on subject but we'll get off of it real quick do you remember watching star wars where darth vader cut off luke's hand yeah and what did he tell him he said he said luke i'm your father yeah so he cuts his hand off and then said i banged your mom (laughs) you imagine your arch nemesis (laughs) cuts your hand off and then says Banged your mom. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Savage. But then he cut uh, his hand off and then they lost the beef. It's true. It is true. Now, yeah, that that's happen. it. Okay. That part what? of my life has never happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's, uh, uh... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's a, I think it's one of those things where it's a, you can use it for anything, you know, I think, um, so question for you, um, you're going to like this one. Okay. What is, what are some things that the mace has helped you grow through emotionally? Kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, yes. Well, uh, this, yeah, um, you know, my depression, it's, you know, I feel like it's a big accomplishment to, um, I bet shit happened, man. It's like, uh, I still have bad shit happen, but you know, it doesn't, I never end up in that pit. Mm. And, um, Ooh, I had a breakup and uh, you know, a significant one. And it was one of those breakups that um, I didn't see coming. And I've talked about mm. this before, but um, admittedly, I don't, don't know if I was a, a good partner. I've mentioned I wasn't a very happy person. And, and my partner cheated on me. And mm. just like eight years, just like, you know, crumbled. And, um, you know, my mace practice got me through that. Mm. what I was building, being able to um, uh, create something while I was uh, going through something or having a personal practice, which, you know, I don't care if it's steel mace flow. I do care if it's steel mace flow. I hope everybody practices steel mace flow. But if you're going through some shit or you know somebody who's going through some shit, having a personal practice, a practice where somebody can develop a skill, uh, it pays wonders. And so, um, yeah, going through, um, going through that period and, you know, it took, it took like two years. Um, and I don't know if that's cause like, I was, uh, I was, I had a coach at the time and, uh, that was helping me out through some, you know, uh, just everything business life. And, you know, he told me it takes about two years for, uh, a relationship to um, transition for from somebody to transition out of that uh, relationship mindset or fall out of love. And uh, so, yeah, for two years, I, you know, really used the mace to um, help navigate that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that was, you know, I think the biggest thing, and um, there were actually some flows that I wrote for, uh, heavy meditation about that subject. Mm. Transitioning love. 
And um, I'm not mad at anybody I've, I've been in a relationship with. I'm not best friends with them, but, um, you know, I'm sure we could say hi and everything would, would be okay, you know? Uh, and so transitioning uh, is not to like hate the person and disappear them from your life and block them on all your channels, which is a healthy thing to do. You got to get out of the relationship. Um, but, you know, the, these couple flows deal with transition. And uh, I've had on a very frequent occasion too much of it to be coincidence. Uh, I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, when I do this flow, I cry. Why? <laughs> mm. like, oh, I was crying when I wrote that. And so um, whenever I have somebody who goes through a breakup, is going through a breakup, I prescribe these flows like this will help. Or I don't know if this will help. This helped me. But these flows are the medicine I took to help get me out of that. And, um, and you know, that really, that, that vision quest uh, really set, uh, a precedent to how I was practicing mace. It was never just like free flow of movement and free flow of emotion. It was a organized flow with an organized transition of emotion. I always found it very difficult to move emotion. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're going through heartbreak. Where do you feel the heartbreak? You're like, everywhere. They're <laughs> like, no, focus on, is it your head? Is it your nose? Is it your teeth? You're like, no. And you locate wherever the pain is. And they're like, breathe and move it. And I can't. I've never been able to like move the emotion. I just had, well, I had to find a way. I can do it now. But me actually moving, doing motions, I noticed that I was moving my emotion, which is like energy and motion, emotion. I think that goes really well together. I know meditating and sitting still has its purpose, but in most magic ceremonies, they don't sit still. There is a dance to help the circle of magic complete. There is an organized, we move like this, we do this. And, and so I started creating flows specifically to um, help guide me uh, through, you know, different areas of my life. Um, so there was the creating the love transitions. Um, another transition uh, that I find a lot of people in and myself is being stuck. I felt very stuck. And so I created a flow that was specific to like walking in motion, like taking a step forward, big step back, like crashing, getting back up and then recommitting, taking another failure, but always getting up. And I think you relived some of that or you lived out some of that in our uh, education, but I wrote oh, yeah, a flow about being stuck and I found it to be very rewarding. And as I started teaching uh, people that flow, um, I have a, a high school teacher and he's like, dude, that flow I teach to kids. They're all in a weird place. He's like, they grab onto it. I mean, there's, they want to do it over and over and over and over. And like, what, but what, but they're doing it because of the story behind it. You know, they learn the story. Like, oh, you feel stuck. Do this flow. My sensei does it. It's so mm -hmm. cool. When you say it like that to a kid, they're like, you have a sensei. 
as soon as I said <laughs> to do it. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, being stuck and, um, you know, another flow that uh, we created was uh, learning how to fight and when to fight. I found myself in a lot of conflict doing something different um, because I stood up for myself. I've never backed down. I've always stood up for myself and my community. And um, I wish somebody had stood up for me when I was young. And because nobody did, I got tough. But now that I can kick your ass, um, I stick up for people. Okay. I've not kicked anybody's ass in a while, but I just like to say it like that. Uh, That's a good, it's a, it's a, you got to know when to fight, man. Yeah. Like you, you got, you know, you got to know when, and there's a way to do it. Uh, in our art of uh, still me flow, we talk a lot about two amazing, our two warriors of virtue. Uh, we talk about samurai and we talk about shell and monks. Uh, there's not like pirates and bandits, you know, we try and bring honor to the fight. So I created a flow that taught me when to fight. So here's the problem is I fought for a long time. And so I like conflict. I like to fight. And so learning, like, don't quit smoking weed. So blessed. Don't stop <laughs> fighting. Listen, you're a warrior of light. You're not just light. You're a warrior of light. Even when um, in the Bible, they talk about the archangels. Sound like fucking X-Men to me. They sound like badass fucking angels. Like they sound oh, yeah. awesome. Isn't there like a warrior saint of heaven? You know? A thousand percent. So, you know, so warrior of light. So learning when to fight, which is important for me because my students, they're gonna have to go through these same battles. You learn you're gonna feel stuck. Look, you're gonna get into an environment where people don't understand what you're doing with the mace. So you're going to have to learn when to fight. You're going to have to learn when to stand up for yourself. Uh, a flow that, I, that we designed after learning when to fight was finding another way. In my experience of learning when to fight, what I learned that is if we fight, somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to lose. And I don't think that gets us anywhere as a culture. Mm. And so when you approach something and fighting isn't an option, you've got to find another way. But just don't make it lackluster. Make it beautiful. If you need to find another way, it has to be as beautiful as you are fierce and ready to fight. And so and so on and so on. So I could go on a list of um, different virtues that I've installed into myself, wanting to be samurai, wanting to be a superhero growing up. And um, you know, I teach those to my students as experiences I've had to, to help me deal. And you know, still maze flow is like, it does get a lot of talk in this regard, but you can't do this stuff without having a strong understanding of the basics. Uh, yeah. And, and so there is a, there is quite an undertaking of uh, education, but it seems like um, if I give you an inch, you take a mile and it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Part of fitness is creating yourself. It's not finding yourself. Like, yeah if you go find yourself like you're just it, image you're just being somebody else dude like what you that's found true. that's somebody else now if you create yourself that's different like do you know the guy who created curls created them for himself and we've been imitating him ever since <laughs> <laughs> is that crazy 
That is a trip to think about when you put it that way, actually. Yeah, the guy who created the squat. We've mm-hmm. literally just been imitating what worked for him. And it does work for us, but we argue about it. And so maybe mm-hmm. you can find a different way in, the, you know, in Still May Slow, we teach you the basics so you can create your own fitness and our lifestyle. And, um, and yeah, so, so yeah, to answer the question, that's some of the ways it's helped me uh, emotionally. Uh, some yeah. of the gaps that the practice has helped. It's a great question. I love it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've had, I've had people come on and say a few, a few various answers. And I know I was super excited to have you on for that, like these, that question and the next question specifically, because, you know, I, I feel, I feel the intention. You know, I, I, and it's like, it's like when you find that, like, it's like when you know magic is real because you can feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Once yeah. you felt it, once you felt magic and then yeah. don't try and explain it. You can't, there's, you can't explain it. Well, somebody yeah. else will give you their opinion on why it works and hypertrans flotality and what flow state actually is. But I'm like, all right, man. But you know, that's not that's your deal. Yeah, this exactly. Is magic. This is magic for me. And you know, I want the magic to work. All right. Yeah. I'm excited for the next question, man. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, what is something that your mace practice has helped you with spiritually? what you'll find when you get into deep meditation is you will get closer to God. Mm. There's like this, there's this place when you enter flow where you almost feel like things are being, it's not, it's not like it's you. It's like something takes over, just things happen. Uh, Like you're getting downloads from whatever. But any type of meditation, any long-lasting meditation that lasts hours will bring you closer to enlightenment. There's a labor of love. It's an old philosophy. It's just if you work hard, you feel love. You built the fence. You look at the fence. <sighs> Makes me feel good. And so that's, that happens when you work out. Not just saying you look at yourself, but you're laboring. There's a love that uh, that's established for yourself while, while you're going through your process. I don't know what's out there past this. I've heard some great ideas and I really haven't made my own mind up about what's out there, but I'm excited for it. I had um, an amazing vision. It wasn't, it was, I'll tell you this story. I'll tell you about when I met God. Um, There's this uh, practice here in Austin, Texas called Opus. O-P-U-S. It used to be called Light Pump. This dude went and did some ayahuasca. The God started talking to him. 
and he decided he was going to build this bed, like you lay down bed, that was going to introduce you to whatever's out there. It's a bed. It's got transducers on it, just things that shake you. You put on these headphones. They fucking play meridian sounds, mantras, and it shakes you in specific regions at specific times. It's supposed to be very therapeutic. My buddy Mateo has been doing this practice and uh, has been teaching this practice for years. And he's always asked me, Leo, come get on the table. And I really wanted to, but I wanted him to get really good at it. So I thought this seemed very cool. And so after years, probably on his third year, Mateo's like, got to get you on the table. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And he says, when? I said, today? He says, tomorrow. I said, perfect. He says, I'm going to pick you up from your house. And I said, perfect. And uh, man, he really wants me to do this if he's picking me up, right? <laughs> he calls me and uh, he says, hey, Leo, going to pick you up. We're still on. I said, yeah. He says, do you have any LSD? Which oh. I, I do. And he says, take half a tab now. Perfect. Took half a tab. I said, oh, this is why he's picking me up. Takes me to his place. Go to the transcendental chamber. Get on the table. Uh, oh, I had also some ketamine. And that was my stack. And I got on the table. They put this weighted blanket on me. It weighed a ton. Blackout uh, glasses. High dollar headphones. And there's just a couple sounds that play, bing, bong, bing, and then the table shakes, and then everything turns white as could be. Like, I was like, I knew I was on, um, I'd, I'd take a hit of LSD, uh, uh, half a hit of LSD, no problem. And I don't see white blurry lights. I don't see crazy shit. I just feel a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um but anyways, I see this bright white light and I remember saying, oh, this changes things. And then this light goddess appears. She looks like something from Conan the Barbarian. She's wearing crystals everywhere in this like white gown. And she says, Leo, I'm going to introduce you to God. I said, okay. She says, you see that? And I'll probably get emotional. It was a prism of light. And I said, yeah. She says, that's light language. And I said, okay. She says, I'm going to teach you light language so you can talk to God. I said, okay. And so she teaches me how to talk in this light codex. And I remember looking at myself and being in my green shorts, my black honored shirt, having my original mace and having been ready to swing mace. Uh, for God. And so she takes me and there's this big ball of gold light and she goes, show him. She tells me, show him. And I just start flowing, you know, doing some maze flow. And I started to, the light started to, I could kind of see through it and it was a, a man and he was working. And I couldn't see what he was working on. I could only see his back. And he was working on something. 
but then he just looks over his shoulder and he gave me a nod and went back to work. And I just, um, there's some other things that happened, but I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a powerful moment. I started, um, I started glowing gold and this gold was from him and his acknowledgement and love. And my uh, light goddess, she goes, let's go meet another. And they go meet another God and I'm flowing all across the universe. Auditioning for God after God, each one of them glowing gold. Each time I would perform, I would glow colder until I was glowing as bright um, as any of the gods. And it was love, all this gold, all this light. It was just love, pure love. It's, I, only maybe a mom can, our dad can love a newborn. I felt like I had all the love in all of the universes and um, almost like a camera is watching me and it starts pulling out and I can see myself. And as the camera pulls out more and more, I started to see more people glowing as equal as me. And it was, it was millions of everybody. There was an abundance of love. There was no lack of love for everybody. And that was my uh, coming out of my, uh, my story. Woo! Wow. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> the time I met yeah. the gods. <laughs> yeah, I know it was on, uh, I know I was on psychedelics and it wasn't an afterlife God. And, you know, there's some, probably some things in there that, you were just on drugs, no. but I took something back from it, whether it was that or I did get to meet the gods. And, um, you know, I question if I'm the right guy for this often. Uh, and, you, you know, it's, it's a weird position to be in, to have, um, men and women look to you for help and um, not knowing if you're the right person to help them. You know, there's always somebody better. There's always somebody more qualified. There's always somebody who can help more. But, you know, honestly, I don't think they want to hear it from those people. Most people want to hear the advice from the person they've selected as their coach. So I am very honored to get to help the people I help. And I'm not crying because I'm sad. This is a very happy experience for me to go through. And uh, great memory. Man, that's fucking, I love it. I love it so much. I, I used to, I used to walk, I used to walk away from, certain experiences like that and um like discounting like no that, that was just whatever and you know in the last i'd 
say two, three years doing stuff like that, I've started to acknowledge whatever has come into my frame of reference, you know, um, because, you know, I feel like we, we, there's always like, God is always talking to us. You know what I mean? Like always, I want to, I want to share something with you really quickly because this is something that I was, I was flown at the park. I, I just had to stop for a moment. And I said, movement is life. Life is movement. Love equals life. Movement equals love. God equals love. Movement equals God. Move, movement is worship. Mm. And mm. that's that's where I kind of land on it, you know, is uh, me moving is a form of worship, you know. Oh, dude, that's that is deep. Yeah. Hell yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That is deep. That is yeah, deep. man. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's as I uh, I do recite many cool things I've I've heard over the years years, I'll definitely uh add that to the repertoire. Inspiration. Oh my god, that's good, man. That is beautiful. <laughs> it is. Oh, yeah. I remember being in church and a good church song would come on. And like mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh. <laughs> This is the day that the Lord has made. And yep. then he went to another church and they were like, ah, oh, hey. Wow. Yep. And I was like, hey. I mean, like, this is church. Like, this let's go again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, movement, movement. I agree with you. Movement is worship. You know, it's, uh, you know, and I guess movement is, um, it's different for many people. And that's not to say if you're limited in movement, um, your worship is, is any less valued. It's just a, a different expression of it. Yes. 100%. But you know that really changes things up. You know, um, you know, there's like a ton of coaching programs out there. Uh, you know how to like life coach was kind of like a thing. Like if you heard somebody was going to a life coach, you were like, "Oh, you answering Craigslist <laughs> as bro." But now, like life coaches, is like very important, very useful. And I forgot what I was talking about again. <laughs> it's almost done man i, I mean i was got I, it. I know i know i was like uh look like you had oh, it the last time i was talking I was about like, i was talking oh, oh you knew it was happening huh yeah <laughs> i was talking about movement as medicine or worship yeah i don't know you know that one might just sit in the ether yeah I'll come back for part two yes we'll start with that we can, we can run back for <laughs> as many times as we need to. <laughs> you know, I do this. Or want you know, to, I should I say. I do this in every one of my conversations. It's part of my training, okay? 
when I I'm 41. So when I get old and see now, I'm going to be yeah. so trained in forgetting my shit that I'm good. Yeah. Right. I heard cannabis helps, helps with that. Like alleviate that later in life. Oh, does it? So, well, good, I, I'm I just came up with that. <laughs> I do this. Um, my practice has been uh, a little bit different lately. Uh, as I said, I don't like, you know, I don't have a lot to heal. I'm just like having fun. I yeah. started uh, streaming my morning workouts on Twitch. Let's go on the video game sharing platform. I love and it. It's so, it's so much fun, man. It's, it's so had so much fun and it's a, a totally different crowd. Um, you know, I wouldn't say gamers are fitness addicts. No. It's tough to be addicted to fitness and gaming. Like you really got to yes. have a lot of freedom. Like you can't have anything <laughs> else in your life. You're addicted to those two things, but um, it's been neat. The, uh, the interest that uh, gamers get in, um, like, wait, you got in shape doing that? I like to swing shit. Uh, but, right. but it's been it's been a lot of fun. And I uh I've I've had a couple opportunities to coach people in meaningful exchanges like this, but uh kind of found my new hobby. I don't know what it'll ever turn into, but uh I'm helping out the gamers <laughs> in my community. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, Let's man. Go. It's been it's been so much it's been so much fun um relating mace work to gaming. Mm. Like, you know, like you're always kind of yeah. over playing and like swing a 360. You have to oh yeah, you like, gotta stay sit right for a second, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's just it's been a ton of fun. So that's kind of been my practice lately is playing literally playing around on uh Twitch swinging my mace which I think I'm actually going to do shortly uh, once we get oh. done here. Well, I'm going to eat too. Yes. And to, dude, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy you Thanksgiving, wanna... by the way. Thanks, man. Yeah. Do you celebrate Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm in a place now where I ask people if they celebrate the holidays before. Yeah. before... No, I'm just kidding. I, don't have... <laughs> I have done. Here's a funny one. Here's dude. You're going <laughs> to laugh out of this. Every now and then. Um, and I forget I have a very serious face if you don't know me, but if I sneeze in public and somebody says, bless you, I'll say, I'm atheist. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, the look one, on their face. One sure guy, one guy knew. He knew I was playing around. He was like, oh, that's top notch, man. <laughs> like, he like, you know, that, that he knew right away. But everyone else was just like, oh, well, I don't need to give that thought to bless you. And I was like, I'm just joking. Well, joke. Yeah. He's in the tension. <laughs> Tell it to a friend. Okay. Tell it to a close uh, friend. They'll get it. Tell it to yes. a stranger. They're, they're not out. I'm going to have to, if I, if I sneeze in the grocery store, I'm, I'm doing that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Yeah, if, you I'll get, send you, if you get in trouble, I'll bail you out. Okay. I was gonna say I'll, I'll send you my report. I'll be like, this is what happened. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, I'm I'm happy that um, you know, part of my training, I went to the grocery store this morning, Thanksgiving Eve. How about that? 
That's mm. fucking how you know you're in shape mentally, physically. I'm going to go to Black yeah. Friday sale. You know why? Part of my training. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's but, go. Uh, I am glad I'm in a, in a place where um, I'm walking around and I can't help but look at people's grocery carts. And I'm, everybody, of course, is getting Thanksgiving stuff. And that mm-hmm. makes me smile. This lady's got a big ass, big ass grocery bag. Little old <laughs> Hispanic lady. This motherfucker's full. And I'm like, I just kind of want to follow her and unload her shit on the conveyor belt, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> But everybody's smiling. And so I'm just like talking to people. Like, you know, I know we were shut down from a while from like talking and stuff, but it, the holidays do, do have a way of like bringing out a certain joy in people. So, so I'm probably not going to do my atheist one this year, but you know, every, just wait till that's a 2023 one for me, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait till the, the almost, almost Valentine middle from new year's to valentine's day that that's your that's your prime time right there <laughs> yeah yeah especially around valentine's day man yeah oh uh, yeah. yeah little um, chaos question for you another one, uh, what's one takeaway you want to give everybody Mm. yeah there's a couple of different ways um i guess i could go um i had a a lesson yesterday i had a big takeaway and um another takeaway is just um a great lesson i've learned in life and i'll teach that one so i live in uh, I am the leader of the Steel May Flow community. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, um, the system I have created has created fights or conflicts. Uh, Bruce Lee said it. He said, styles uh, make dogmatic practices. And so he tried to create a practice that wasn't based on a style, but it was all the styles. And so I've had, um, because I created a program, I've had students of mine um, correct people on what they were doing uh, who hmm. might, might have not been educated by my system, maybe educated by another system. And I bring up my people first. It's been done to us as well. We do a move or something. And uh, here's what I'm trying to get at. Nobody's right. And if we, nobody's wrong. If we quit telling people that they were wrong and we asked them to tell me more, what you'll get is an understanding of, of why they came to that decision. And so in being understanding in you're not them and because they see it differently than you, that's what makes our world beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it when I meet somebody who has something that is different than the way I live, politics, religious views. And whenever something comes up that makes me feel a little bit challenged or goes against my beliefs, I I say this thing. And I promise you, if you say it, you will become a master of understanding before you know it. Tell me more. 
one, the first thing you're saying is you hear them and they want to tell you more. And since they're not on defense, they'll probably tell you the things that they really identify with. And in that moment, recognize how that makes them feel powerful, happy. And that's the thing that you celebrate. Ah, that makes mm. them feel like this. Now you have a place of understanding. And so next time you run into somebody, hey, it's the holidays, politics are coming up. Just tell them, tell me more. I, and I guess I should bring this up. I don't ever talk politics, but I'm going to. I never talk politics, I'm not really involved in them very much. I have my views, but never talk politics as a business owner. That's probably good advice. So maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, there's a red sign and there's a blue sign. And it seems like they can never agree. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought, why the fuck can't they just agree on one thing? Why can't all the votes be 101 or whatever the number is, all in favor of A? And because that's not freedom. Because there's opposing sides, we have choice. If they make our minds up for, for us, we don't have choice. There's no discussion about it. And so the system doesn't work if there's not a different way of understanding. And so tell me more. Mm. Be understanding. One side doesn't mm. work without the other side. There is no freedom in America unless we have the two sides talking about it. You know, mm. I'm so I am so happy that people are so um, there's so much political energy. I'm so happy uh, that that's out there. I do wish that people would harness it in a way where our. Um, you know, that was just uh, stepped back uh, to like a, a different time where we all loved our president and valued them and understood the hard work they did. And we all understood we couldn't do a better job. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's one of those things where it's, uh, you know, the, the game of like, if you were, if you were in their shoes, if you had their life, if you, you know, it's a, it's a good like empathy experiment, you know, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not. The rock wouldn't do it. Yeah. The fucking rock won't do it. Like, I mean, it's in his name. Like, That's a smart guy. Yeah. Right? I'm going to do what The Rock does. You're not going to do it? Yeah, yeah. And plus, I'm trying to live forever. And I don't think, I think once you get into that job, you like age really quick. Anyways, enough about politics. I'm glad yes. there are two sides. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, me too, man. I think it's a good, I think you need that. I think nature has a very interesting way of always working things out. And it always has the two opposing sides, you know, like. Like there's life and death and all the transitions in between. And then, you know, sometimes things die and mushrooms grow out of them. And then some ape comes and eats them and trips balls. (laughs) (laughs) I got a quote for you today. We're going to close it out. And uh, it's funny. I kind of, sometimes I prepare a quote like a few days in advance and uh intuition today was like no just grab this book open it and i flipped right to this and it works perfectly for what we were talking about Mm -hmm. Um, you have walked oh 
real quick. This is Young Pueblo. The book's called Inward. Um, this is page 54. You have walked through fire, survived floods, and triumphed over demons. Remember this next time you doubt your own power. Yeah. 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 Right? Yeah, I like it. Fuck yeah, man. Leo Savage. Thank you. Thank you coming. so much. Dude, I yeah. had a good time. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll definitely we're gonna run it back. A thousand percent. All right. Um man. tell these people where to find you. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, leo.savage.smf. Uh, you can also find me at stillmaceflow.com. And uh, we're on Sample, which is uh, another site you can find us on. I'm also on YouTube. But do me a favor, follow me on Twitch, okay? Leo Savage SMF. And uh, I had 100 followers, man. It's so That's funny. Cool. I have this big flat, I have this big Instagram personality. Yeah. And I'm like going into the other room. Ashley, I got 11 followers. <laughs> like I get two followers. I'm like, Ashley, I'm at 15 followers. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Life. Yo, let's go. Dude, happy holidays, man. Yeah, happy holidays to you as well, man. Hopefully you, hopefully you eat a lot of good food tomorrow. We're having fajitas. Let's go. Yeah, that's fucking great. I know. I bought sour cream. <laughs> yes yes dude honestly that's that's the light that's like the nice little balance to the fajita a little sour cream on there fuck yeah man i love it i'll see you later brother take care man you too